Today on the Rogue Retirement Lounge, Dave Ramsey prohibits you from buying life insurance in the form of whole life policies. But why? Today, my guest Daphne Jones is going to give us a rundown on whole life insurance, some of the differences between that and term life plans, and how you might be able to use a whole life policy as your own bank. Welcome to the podcast where entrepreneurs go to learn about alternative retirement investing strategies and structures and all things related to planning a successful, prosperous retirement. If you're self-employed, if you're a gig worker or solopreneur, you've come to the right place to learn how to retire wealthier, retire sooner, and retire happier. This is the Rogue Retirement Lounge. Hey everyone, today there was an article in the Washington Post about a 33-year-old woman in Missouri who recently lost her husband to COVID. The article traces her widow's journey as she loses her house, has to move into an apartment, uprooting her kids, and then gets stuck with a bunch of medical bills. It's a very, very sad article, and what's even more sad is that if her husband had put a few bucks into a life insurance plan her outcome would be 100% different than it is. So I put a link to the article in the show notes, but spoiler alert, it's sad. But it's also timely because today's episode is pretty much all about life insurance. Uh, my guest today is Daphne Jones. She's a woman I got to know through a little podcasting mastermind, and I immediately liked her. She's super cool. She's super smart. She's a veteran. And uh, at some point, I hope to go down to Texas and invite myself to her place for dinner because her husband is a serious barbecuer. Uh, apparently, he even makes his own giant barbecues out of old like residential propane tanks and the like, which is totally badass. Anyway, when Daphne said she'd join me, I was stoked because I really want to know... I want to know more about this whole life insurance thing. And I do not understand why Dave Ramsey will tell you, you got to have term life, but you can't have whole life. Anyway... Before we meet her, here's a little bit more information about Daphne Jones. She's a life insurance broker in Houston, Texas. Uh, after more than 20 years of military service and work in corporate America, she's been helping her clients with their life insurance needs since 2015. She has a passion for making complex topics relatable and understandable, empowering you to make informed and effective decisions with your financial resources. So to get things started, because Dave Ramsey is such a vocal opponent of whole life policies, I asked Daphne to give me the kind of counterpoint perspective. Dave's basic uh, financial beliefs, I have no problem with, particularly with his money store, particularly how he feels about debt. And the debt that he talks about right. is consumer debt. That is cancerous. Consumer debt, it, it's, not, it's not a smart debt to take on. Right. And then the second one he goes for is student loans. Again, not the smartest. If you can create debt that pays, that someone else pays for, uh, purchasing either an investment or even the best is cash flowing real estate. Yep. Someone else is paying the mortgage on the property you purchased. That's smart. That builds equity and things of that of that nature. So have no problem with him there and that you should pay off debt as soon as you consumer debt as quickly as possible. We disagree about life insurance, particularly uh, whole life insurance. So our disclaimer, he does have a form of permanent life insurance. So he's not just a term guy. So, oh, he, he does. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. Insurance, life insurance comes in two flavors. There's term and then there's permanent. 
Now, under permanent, you have various things that we'll go into. There's multiple permanent types of life insurance. One, term life insurance is designed to last a term, a short period, which is what he talks about. It, it has a set beginning and an end. Uh, it can be as short as one day, which is like the travel insurance you buy before you get on the plane. And then you can have policies that last as long as 30 years, some, some term life insurance. Okay. Okay. It's like renting life insurance. Uh, you pay for what you get. You pay for a set term. The reason life insurance, term life insurance, tends to be less expensive than permanent life insurance is because the insurers are betting and they have the numbers that you won't die. They'll never have to pay. That it'll be a one-way relationship. They're going to collect right. the premiums and they'll and they won't and they won't have to pay out. They will pay out, but they won't have to because the majority of people survive the term of the life insurance. It does have its place. It's real useful. Um, it helps us get younger people, particularly younger folks, insured for a low price point. Gets you a lot of insurance, uh, and it's great for, a, again, a set period of time. Just had a baby. We just bought the house. We've got money tied up in some other things. But we really do need to boost the coverage on the wage earners in the house. And that's what term allows you to do. That's one of the great things about term life insurance. It's great for getting folks insured who had never thought much about it. And when I was still doing my door to, well, door to door, meeting people where they worked and things of that nature, that's how you could get many, many people working class and above to go on and get some insurance. Um, okay, you can give me coverage for 20, 30 bucks, what, what have you. They'll go, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do it. I'll get some insurance. It's, uh, it's, it's a cup of coffee, you know, it's a trip to Starbucks every day. I'm doing that already, I'll get some life insurance. Okay, so term life, it turns out, is a cheap and easy way, particularly for young people, to insure themselves. Um, so specifically, our guy in Missouri who died in that WAPO article, uh, this could have really bailed him out and really saved his wife a lot of heartache. So next, uh, Daphne and I, uh, we start to dig into more detail on whole life insurance. Okay, so a whole life policy is a little different. One, it is designed that as long as you pay the premium, you have life insurance. It's a bit more expensive for, say, the same amount of death benefit as a term in comparison to a term policy because it will pay off. Everybody dies. So at some point, they're going to have to meet the, the death benefit is going, to, is going to be paid, whether it's 10 years from now or 60 years from now. As long as you pay the premiums, you have life insurance. Okay, then there's another component within whole life, particularly it's, uh, it's the cash value part. And so in the life insurance contract, the company guarantees you a certain amount of interest on monies that you pay over the premium. Uh, there's three parts to life insurance. It's called, the, there's an administrative fee in there that doesn't increase. There's the actual cost to insure you as a, you know, you're a white male, age 28, good height and weight, you don't smoke. There's a cost to insure you. Okay, and then anything over that amount goes into this cash accrual account, which the company guarantees you interest on, um, anywhere from 2 to 6%, depending on the company. And also, if you're with a mutual-type life insurance company, like National Life Group or Mutual of Omaha, you may also have dividends paid into this account. This is compounding interest. So whatever is in the account, interest is applied yearly, and it compounds. The complaint often with whole life insurance 
is that the way the policies often have been designed when they're just when they're sold is that individuals are paying just enough to keep the policy active. So the $50 a month or $60 a month is covering the administrative fee, the premium, the the cost of life insurance. And mm-hmm. then a little bit is going into this account which is gathering any like I said anywhere from 2 to 6% interest. In many cases it might be 2% because often Salespeople are just trying to move the policy. They're salespeople. They're not exactly wealth coaches or involved in certain things. And most people, again, how many of us have signed things we really didn't read or go into? It's life insurance contracts, are, they can get very involved. So what happens is, is that uh, it's usually like a grandparent or someone dies, right? Mm-hmm. The kid gets the policy. The adult child gets the policy because now it's time to bury dad. And they're like, wait a minute, my old man has been paying into this policy for 30 plus years that I know about. And there's exactly $50,000 worth of value from the policy. He gets the death benefit. Wait a minute, this guy's been paying in how much? And then they just do the, they just run the numbers. But he's paid in 100K maybe or, or more into this policy because all those years and this is it. So, of course, whole life insurance gets a bad rap. It's like, okay. I got something else to do with with the cost of life insurance. I can get more for less. And so that's, in a nutshell, that's why Dave Ramsey kind of craps or does crap on whole life insurance. Or or you keep hearing whole life insurance run away from it. So next, I asked Daphne the question that I've really been wondering for years now. And that is, if you take the whole term life out of the equation and just talk about life insurance in general, does everybody really need life insurance? After all, I'm a single guy, and I, I guess I never felt like I really needed it. Daphne's answer was an unequivocal yes. Everybody needs life insurance. So next up, she unpacked the concept that we all need life insurance. Dave talks about, he, he also downplays having life insurance for children. He says, oh, it's a waste. Okay, when you insure your child, let's say, let's say the good old Gerber policy that we all see on TV, your child now has life insurance. Again, Having life insurance is just useful because, as sad as it is, children die. And there's a cost. There's cost to death. There's burial, so forth and so on. Uh, In many cases, when we lose children in that way, there's also some hospital expenses involved. So that's just the real sad part. Secondly, the other sad part is that child may become uninsurable very early in life. For instance, they may develop diabetes. They may develop childhood cancer. And there are several other things that can happen that make them uninsurable for the rest of their lives, that they become uninsurable as early as age five or six. So what about them getting married? There are other uses for insurance than just the death benefit, which is very important. But now they're insured and you can use that policy. And because children have to receive whole life policies, they have to receive permanent policies, right? That policy can be used for cash accrual. Because remember, we talked about that a portion of your premium goes into this cash account. If you do what is called overfunding your life insurance policy, where you pay up and above the minimum to keep the policy active, this money goes into a cash account and it is gaining interest that compounds yearly. So you're saying, yeah, but 4%, it's compounding. You can put, there are some legal limits to how much you can put yearly into into an insurance policy but that's based on the size of the death benefit. 
It's compounding. And the thing about this is once the cash accrues, you can access it at any point you want to. It's not, it's not controlled like qualified money, like 401ks. The money grows tax deferred. And most importantly, it's tax free when you take the money out. Okay. So you just heard what I heard. You can access money from your whole life policy. So here's one of the really the biggest differences in case you're keeping track. In a term life policy, basically all you get is a death payout if you die during the term of the policy. And the insurance company is in the business of knowing when you're going to die. They've been doing this stuff for hundreds of years and they know when they sell you that term policy, you're very unlikely to die before the term expires. And that's why term life policies are so cheap. But in these whole life policies, there's money for a death benefit and a little bank account of sorts. So let's hear Daphne's take on how you can access that money in a whole life account and maybe put it to work for you. Well, there, there are parameters. You can borrow from your life insurance policy. You can still, you, you don't have to pay the money back. For instance, you may have known someone that borrowed from a retirement account, a 401k or 403b. Yep. Yeah, I did that to buy my first house. I borrowed against a 401k. Right. So there was some, some restraints on that. If yep. you didn't pay the money back within a set time period, you were hit with tax issues. Uh, right, right. You were hit with the taxes that they deferred for you putting the money in, because more than likely it was a traditional 401k. Yeah. So the money you went in, you weren't taxed on. Right. And if you didn't pay the money back in a set amount of time, you'd be hit with a penalty, 10% penalty. And the taxes, because it would have been counted as a, a premature distribution. Yeah. Right. Right. That doesn't happen with life insurance. So at any point, once the cash starts to build in a life insurance policy, and this does take a few years now, so it's not immediate. Okay. It isn't like you put in X and you can take it out immediately. The cash accrual follows, but you can use money from your life insurance policy, hence the term infinite banking. So it is designed for you to pay the money back. There's a small interest fee, right? to put the money back into the policy if you choose to. But if you don't, you don't have to pay the money back. You may, depending on the amount you took out, you may affect the size of the death benefit, but you don't have to put the money back. It's not a requirement. It doesn't hit you on your credit. There's no tax. There's no tax problem. I would suggest, as they do in infinite banking, that you not only put the money back and pay the interest that is that is charged by the insurer, but that actually you pay market interest. If you took it out to buy a car, buy a house, whatever, charge yourself yourself market interest to put it back into the account so that when you need to use the money again or you have desire for it, it's there and you have more money that's there. And so the account, the, the account grows. Remember, it, it's, it's not an investment. It's, it's, a, it's a safe money vehicle um, because you've got the guaranteed interest. And now guaranteed interest of 4 to 6% is pretty good because you're not getting that anywhere else. And then you also, you, you've got the compounding effect. You've got the guaranteed of no loss. And again, if you're with a mutual company, they're putting dividends into the account also. And the interest is, is compounding on that also. Okay, hold up. Did you just hear that? A guarantee of no loss. So this little side note really caught my attention. So let's explore this. Uh, again, I'm glad she's hitting on the fact that this is a savings vehicle, not an investment vehicle. Back to Daphne. In a whole policy. Okay. It's not an investment vehicle. 
because you have other types of policies to to help the cash grow. You have uh, they call them universal life policies. Um, sometimes they're called index universal life. And then you even have the old school variable universal life policies, which actually put that cash account into the market, directly into the market. You can lose money there. Okay. Right. Where the cash account can actually be taken to zero because you're in the market. So, again, these are not investments. A traditional, a whole life insurance policy, using the term investment isn't exactly accurate because there's no chance of loss. See, when you invest in something, there's a possibility that whatever you put in doesn't come back out. The principal doesn't come back out. That's not the case with whole life insurance. This was really the reason I had previously been sour on the idea of a whole life policy. I I had always considered life insurance, specifically whole life insurance, for whatever reason, as an alternative place to invest in in finger quotes, invest your money. And if you get nothing else out of this, I think coming away with the concept that these policies um, are A, an insurance policy most of us need, and also B, kind of a tax-free savings vehicle where you have access to that money penalty-free if you need to borrow it. So let's let Daphne continue here because there's more to it, obviously, and uh, hear more about the death benefits our surviving family are going to need when we do kick the bucket. Now, I, I call it an investment mix. There should be some other things going on with the funds that you don't need to live once you cover fixed costs, you know, food, housing, so forth. Right. That you should be doing with your funds other than life insurance. Just life insurance is a cornerstone. It's really important because it does certain things that other that other investments don't do. And and that death benefit is a big part of it. When you die, someone who has to, who's going to be left behind, who's going to handle the arrangements, who's going to have to shut down your house, your business, things of this nature, they're going to need cash. And a life insurance policy is going to give you a guaranteed death benefit within days of you passing. And no other, no other vehicle does that. Even if you have, say, there's, there's, um, there's beneficiaries attached to a 401k account, right? All your retirement accounts have to have a beneficiary, right? Right. But there's no guarantee what's going to be in that account at your death. Right. And there's also no guarantee of how long it's going to take for the beneficiary to swim upstream through the red tape. I know there's firsthand to get a hold of that money. It's it's not like they're an insurance company where you call them up, right? And and then th- th- then a check gets issued right away. And they're busting their butt to get you a check, uh, uh, the entire amount, because um, I've helped individuals who received their parents' retirement funds. Okay, there's tax considerations there. We've got to talk about how are you going to move that money over? Are you going to do it? Is it going to be part of this part of the estate? How was this treated? That sort of thing. Not with the life insurance death benefit. It's there, again, within days, as long as there's no, you know, funny stuff about the death. And you've got a check in it in your hot little hand. No taxes to use as you see fit. And there are costs associated with death. Okay, so when you die, yes, you may have beneficiaries designated on your qualified plans, your 401ks, IRAs, and et cetera. But how long is it going to take for that money to actually get to them? And more importantly, maybe, is how much taxes are they going to have to pay on that money? And will they even know? 
And what if they use a bunch of that money, then find out the next year that they owe a bunch of taxes? So all this is why I'm starting to warm up to the idea of these things. Whoever the recipient is on your life insurance policy that's going to get that settlement, um, they're going to get to keep 100% of it without having to worry about the tax ramifications next April 15th. So next thing I asked her was about uh, somebody like me. Really, the biggest cost that my girlfriend is going to have to deal with when I die is just getting me shipped to the funeral home and cremated. But I don't have insurance for that. So let's hear what Daphne has to say about uh, kind of minimal insurance for a dude like me with no kids. Is there something like that for someone like me? It's called burial insurance. Old school burial insurance, where you actually, you pick out a business that you wish to, the, the mortuary, you go in, you make arrangements, and then there's several companies that do this. We get, we get the policy created, and it's just between the, they're the beneficiaries of that particular policy. And those are pretty easy to get because they don't require any health, there's no health things involved. So next up, I asked Daphne for some examples of people using their life insurance policies uh, like to work for them while they were still alive, say borrowing or to use in their businesses or investing or whatnot. Uh, a real famous individual is Walt Disney. He used, it, he used his life insurance policy twice. The first time he used his policy was in the 1930s. He and his brother, Disney Studios itself was in trouble. And he actually took cash from the life insurance policy to pay his animators. The second time he used it was before his death in the process of getting Disney World off the ground, needed some bridge loans. So he used the life insurance policy, he used it as collateral to, uh, to, to get the funding down. So those are the, the sort of things that you do. I helped a trucker, instead of, uh, he was expanding. So instead of using, um, instead of going to the bank and paying X amount of percent of the interest, he simply took the money out of his life insurance policy and paid the interest to himself. Again, that's an infinite banking principle. You put the money back and you charge yourself market interest, not simply the 1% or 2% that the insurance company asks for, but you actually pay yourself back the 16% interest. And that's the, um, that's the key to infinite banking, that you put the money back at market rates and also that you overfund the policy. Okay, so next up, we talked a bit about the gender gap in retirement planning. Daphne's podcast, Grown Women, Growing Wealth, is all about teaching women how to better manage their money. Uh, anyway, this led to us talking about the all-too-common situation where the husband might, say, manage all the household finances. He may might have the bills in his name. He may even have some of the account uh, brokerage passwords. Um, and women can seriously get screwed in cases like this when their spouse dies. Um, and it's almost always the man that dies first. More reason to have some protection in the form of some kind of life insurance policy so that those first few months when you're untangling the possible quagmire of accounts, red tape, etc., you've at least got some money to make sure the bills continue to get paid. What life insurance policy offers your survivors is it offers them time and options. It offers them time to actually lie in the bed and just be devastated. And then it allows them options about what we'll do next. Because remember, taxes are still owed on whatever went on previously. Uh, and it's not just the death taxes that people think, quote, the rich pay. You're still going to have to talk to the government about the taxes uh, when tax time comes around. Your husband died in, in June. Well, 
come April of the following year, there's going to be tax issues. There's going to have to be tax settlements. And usually in, in cases, just like we talked about, about retirement accounts, retirement accounts from work have come through. Uh, certain other monies have now changed hands and changed names and things of this nature. And cash is going to be needed for that. Uh, you still have to pay the mortgage or rent or light bill, water bill. All that has to be done. It doesn't stop because there's been a death. That's the importance of getting money right then, right there. We've seen individuals, it's not just houses that are lost at a death. I've heard stories where, okay, like adult children, let's say in many cases, you still have adult children living at home with parents. The apartment is lost because mom had a heart attack, uh, un unsuspected. She just, she just died at work. But mom was paying the, the rent. Or dad, let's... I had a client uh, that I sold life insurance to, and it was important to her to get life insurance. She was like 22 now. And that's what happened to her. And she was her dad was helping her raise her daughter. Dad died, heart attack. Just poof. Uh, 30 days later, she had to figure out where she was going to live. It was an apartment, rent's due. Can't inherit a, rent, a rental property. And she had to very quickly. There was no... Um, and there wasn't any additional monies because he, he wasn't insured. So that sort of thing. So she she wanted to be sure that that didn't happen to her daughter. She she understood she'd had the, the life insurance horror story and she wanted to make sure it didn't happen again. So that's all food for thought. Now I want you to consider Daphne as a resource. If you're female, you really should check out her podcast, Grown Women, Growing Wealth. And if you feel like you're ready to learn more about life insurance, you should probably reach out to her. So let's hear a bit more about what Daphne does. Our podcast is Grown Women, Growing Wealth. Uh, we've got a website, grownwomengrowingwealth.com. Uh, you can go there, subscribe to the pod, and get our latest episodes. And to uh, access me, um, I have a website, thesmartmoneychick.com. And uh, to your listeners, and, and thanks for having me on the show, uh, there's going to be in the show notes uh, a link to a complimentary uh, wealth, map, wealth mapping uh, conversation with me. Uh, 20 minutes. Cool. And it's not just insurance that we'll talk about because we're talking about an investment mix. What's your money story? What is the plans of what you're going to do or what you're doing with your money? Uh, every dollar does have to have a name. We're going to stay away from that bad word budgeting, but every dollar uh. has to have a name. <laughs> you, have to, you have to have a plan for it. Uh, what does it do? Because you need to get your money working for you. And there are various things. Uh, we've mostly talked about insurance here because that's what you that's what you asked about. Right. But it, an investment mix also involves retirement. Uh, many of you, many of us, need to start at home, which means with our jobs. Are you contributing to your employer's retirement plan? If you're not, you should be. You're leaving money on the table mm -hmm. in the matches. You're. Uh, there's tax benefits, and it's easy savings. It's blind savings. It's something you can set and forget. You don't have to worry about it. And that that's, gets many people started. Then uh, also, do you have any plans to go into the market? Are you looking at real estate? Everyone has the ability to put their money to work and to create some wealth. So it's, it's not just for those other guys. The guy that, that picks up garbage, the nurse, you all can do it. You don't have to have a big brain to do so products I have are insurance products and then learning products about your money, about what's going on with your money, because I'm a wealth coach. And what's the relationship you have with your money and, and how we can put it to use. Because many of us, and that was part of my story early, you didn't think that you really had control over money. You earned it, 
but she really couldn't tell it to do anything. No, money's very obedient. And if you don't tell it to do anything, it won't do anything. It'll sit right there. So now if you take one thing away from this whole thing that isn't related to life insurance, take that quote, money is very obedient. And if you don't tell it to do anything, it won't do anything. So I learned a few things from Daphne today, and I'm glad she was willing to join me. Uh, so remember, her podcast is Grown Women, Growing Wealth, and there's a link uh, in the show notes to where you can schedule a complimentary session with Daphne uh, to go through her wealth checkup and review. Okay, that's it for today. But seriously, I, I recommend checking out that Washington Post article as kind of a cautionary exercise. Uh, the link is in the show notes. If you die... Are the people you leave behind fully covered? If so, congratulations. But if not, get that area of your life managed. No, it's not fun to think about your mortality, but you might actually sleep a little better knowing that you've got that area of your financial life buttoned up. I'll talk to you in a couple days. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 